All right, welcome everybody. Welcome to another edition of FTU Life After the Military. I'm your host, Tony Rodriguez, and I'm joined by my former, by one of my former commanders and a good friend, uh, Matt Finney. And with that, I want to pass it over to, to him um, so he can introduce himself and just um, talk about whatever he feels like talking about today. Sure. I'll pass it over Appreciate to you. Appreciate it, Tony. Long time listener, first time caller, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I admit you, you're well ahead in the podcast game uh, compared to me. I think you're on episode 53. I should record my, my third uh, specific one soon here, uh, but it, it's definitely interesting. I like the, the, the conversation that, that you have during podcasts for sure. Um, so me, myself, almost 24 years active duty in the, in the Army right now. Uh, I'm still on active duty, still, still kicking, haven't figured out what my, what my exit strategy is. Um, most of that time in my career, I've spent assigned to special operations units. Um, and then, you know, you and I go back to our time in Charlie 97th. You know, I, I have for sure, I've listened to all of your episodes where, where you tag in the, uh, in the name of that episode, you know, Charlie, Charlie 97, just because, uh, I'm curious what, what you're saying about our time together, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we we spent probably about a, about a year and a half together or so during a really, really, uh, interesting period, but, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, uh, thank you for being on. And for everybody that's listening, I want to, you know, I, I've been pretty honest and pretty brutal with, uh, people about my idea of leadership in the military. Right. And say that throughout my 22 years, maybe I worked with 2% of the people I worked with were actually leaders. Right. I'm having you on here and I'd like to have Rick on here at some point because you two were actually the leaders and I respected you a great deal. And I remember when I got that initial phone call um, because you needed me to show up report early um, to go on some validation exercise, which was a horrible, sounded horrible to me, right? Yeah, sure. Let me give up my vacation time so I could show up early and go on this crazy. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard how you refer to that exercise, uh, in, in other podcasts. I, I know how you, how you talked about it. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, so my point is, is that the original first sergeant was like a typical civil affairs person, right? He was like a used car salesperson, right? Telling me everything he thought I wanted to hear. But to me, everything that was coming out of his mouth, I knew it was a lie, right? And so I had no, there was no desire to show up early until I found out that Rick was going to be the first sergeant. And then I met you um, because you were authentic. And throughout our time, you were just you. You allowed us to make mistakes. You got heated sometimes, which was fine because we're people. That's that's what's going to happen, right? I don't know what happened in the military where everybody thought uh, that we were going to be BFFs all the time and we were always going to get along. That, that's just not realistic. And if you got heated, you realized it and you apologized and we moved on. And, you know, that time, that validation exercise was ridiculous, right? Uh, but spending the time uh, with Onyx and Pierce and everybody else in the CMOC was awesome because I got to see um, how people doubt at the absolute worst. And that's when their true character comes out. Not when everything's going great. You know, when, when everybody's stressed out and tired, that's when you see the true person. And, uh, I really appreciated that time. It, 
looking back, it was hilarious, yeah. right? Yeah, that's um, the, but I really appreciate uh, your leadership at that. Yeah, time. I, I appreciate that. I mean, look, looking back on, I mean, like I said, almost twenty-four years on active duty. There's a lot of times where, you know, uh, things weren't great at the moment, but you look back on them, and they're they're much more fond memories as you look back. And I mean, when me and Rick took over, uh, we got there probably, I'd say six weeks before you did. And we had this, you know, that validation exercise that you're talking about staring us right in the face. The 50 meter target was probably the second most important thing that we were going to do with, you know, the deployment following that, that would, that would be the most important one, but this huge validation exercise, it's kind of a newish exercise. I knew a little bit about it because, uh, my, my friend Arturo, he was in the very first one of those exercises and, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of preparation done to get ready for it. You know, the things that were, uh, that were staring us in the face to get ready, um, didn't seem like it was lined up well for us to be successful for there. And then the personnel weren't, weren't sorted out. You know, if you remember, Austin came to us two weeks before you did, he was supposed to be our operations officer, you know, three weeks before we go to this exercise, I'm getting, you know, probably the uh, third and fourth most important people to the organization, you know, to our, our, our small company that we had uh, with Austin and you coming in literally within the last two weeks before we go out to this thing. Um, so I, I knew going in that things were not going to be perfect just because we hadn't tested it yet. Uh, and I, I knew I, I had to be, uh, I had to be conscious of the fact that we are figuring things out together. Um, but I think we, the, probably the, the bigger point that you're making, you know, uh, I, I appreciate the comments about my, my leadership and Rick's leadership. He seemed to be much more cool, calm and collected the entire time. And, you know, I used him as a sounding board throughout. Um, but over 24 years, you know, what's another exercise, you know, it's, there's, there's no reason to, you know, to, uh, to roast people and, and hold them, you know, hold them to some, some standard that we're not going to meet because of the situation that we were in. Um, and at, at the end of the exercise, like you said, looking back on it, you know, we, I think we, we did learn a lot about ourselves. We, uh, learned a lot about the, the organization. We definitely got some good training value out of it. Um, and you know, I'll pass it back to you, but I think the, the thing that you, that you were hitting on, uh, when we were talking about, you know, this conversation before we started with, you know, mental health and, you know, you, you touched on my emotions. I dig a kind of, kind of emotional. I want to, I want to come back to that one in a, in a, in a minute here, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I look back on that because, you know, we come out of that validation exercise. It's like, all right. We're good. And then what was it? A week later, boom, COVID yeah. hits, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's unprecedented. Nobody had ever had to train up a company under COVID uh, conditions. I remember Pierce, we were doing TCCC, uh, TCCC training, you know, the, the medical training that, that we do to, you know, that we had to do before we deploy. And usually you have live patients that you're not, uh, you have humans that you're working on, you know, in a training scenario to apply tourniquets and, you know, stop the bleeding and all these other things. And you have to drag, you know, firemen's carry your, uh, your patient or drag them safely to, uh, to wherever it is. Ours, just because of, just because of COVID and trying to mitigate the risk, 
we had the the dummy that like 500 pound dummy or whatever it was way way heavier than than what they what they tell you and we had to spray it down with alcohol after everybody touched it you know every time you touched it or i touched it we had to completely clean it and that was like probably the most unrealistic training we could have done but that was the only thing that was acceptable at that time to so just completely threw a monkey wrench in all of our training. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I have this discussion with Rick and, you know, uh, everybody who deployed, you know, deployments are already rough enough, right? But people came back and, you know, get a little upset because they were with each other or because things didn't go exactly right. I was trying to explain to him, a lot of us were thrown together at the last second. It's like our CMOC chief, didn't even know anybody in the company. He came in yeah. late. Didn't meet anybody really until we came back from deployment. Yeah. It's like, so kudos to him. He took a very bad situation and did the best he could with it. That's all you could ever ask. Yeah, first, I mean, I was thinking about uh, our relationship, you know, you, you and me. And you got there literally the last week before we go to Stockholm. So, we did have a chance to uh, to go to that exercise and and work you know work together face to face, but then COVID hit and we went into you know work from home mode, and we stayed in that until we deployed. I think I only saw you in the office or in person maybe once or twice in the three or four months after that exercise before we deployed, and then you went to Hawaii. I went some I went somewhere else, and then after we got back from the deployment. I think you only stayed in the company for, you know, a number of weeks. It wasn't, it wasn't very long at all before you moved on to, to bigger and better things. So, you know, we did a lot of these types of conversations, you know, over, over video, over, over the phone or whatever, but not a whole lot. It completely changed everything about what we were trying to do. And uh, somehow you have to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you still make that human connection with people when they're not sitting right in front of you? Yeah, so just so just to move on a little bit, um, you mentioned that you had started your uh, podcast, and uh, could you just talk a little bit about that? Of I guess what what's your podcast about? And uh, I've, saw, I've seen your editing, and your editing is a thousand times better than mine, so I'm a little envious about that. But I'm also honest, and I'm not going to devote the amount of time that you do. And it does take a lot of time to edit some of that stuff to to make it look the way the way that it does. So. Uh, I have the the C Star Media podcast, and that's just a extension of kind of the other social media accounts that I have. Um, just kind of the backstory. So in 2018 to 2019, we were in Korea, and we started a YouTube channel and named it C Star Media. Um, you know, the the reason for C Star Media is I, I have I have five daughters. Uh, back then, they were calling themselves the C Stars. You know, the sisters. So I just stole that and kept it. I haven't changed it since then. Um, but we did. We started a uh, a YouTube channel in Korea, and we were just trying to make videos for people who were new to Korea. You know, Americans like us. You know, assigned to Camp Humphreys. What is there to do in and around the Camp Humphreys area? So just making little travel videos, kind of highlighting one of my daughters as kind of the narrator uh, for that, um, and. You know, we've we've continued that, and within the last year, I think I've uh, tried to jump back into it a little bit more and give it a little bit more emphasis um, to include a, a podcast. So it's 
we, we do have the podcast, we do have the YouTube channel, but I, I have accounts on Facebook and Instagram and uh, TikTok as well. Um, but the podcast, what I want to use the podcast primarily for is kind of the, the things that, that help you uh, find true mental health, I guess. You know, the experiences that I have over, over my life, kind of the tips and tricks that I've learned being assigned to uh, special operations units with, you know, lots of other great people that were, you know, selected because uh, one of the main reasons why you get selected into special operations units is you've already demonstrated, you know, a certain level of, you know, mental health. You know, when when your back is up against the wall, you're a problem solver. You look for the opportunities. I think that's one of the, the attributes that, that we select for. So being in that community, I, I think I've picked up a lot of uh, a lot of tips and tricks that I want to I want to share. I want to get you know my friends and other people that have uh, been more impactful uh, for me personally onto the podcast to have conversations about you know like how do you truly uh, improve your mental health? How do you you know shape your your thinking through philosophy or faith? You know, having that solid foundation of uh, what leads to true mental health? How do you practice, you know, day in and day out um, to remind yourself to do the things that, uh, that keep you mentally healthy? Um, how do you invest your time? You know, we have, but only so much time on, a, on this world, you know, how do you invest your time today uh, the best way that you can? So, uh, so it, it, it gives you the benefit later by investing in your in your friends and family and the relationships that will pull you through any challenging any challenging thing that you uh, that you might go through in the future. Um, lots of other ideas that, that we have for the for the podcast that that we'll that we'll get into, but that's kind of the you know the I guess the the guiding light of of what we're trying to do with the podcast. No, that's great. Um, you know, I. I mentioned it before that mental health is a pretty big issue um, for me. Um, I was hit by two IEDs and an RPG in my military career in Iraq and coming back, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I know other people had problems and nobody wanted to fess up to it because if you fess up to it, you might be taken off a team. Unfortunately. Yeah. Then what good are you if you're taken off yep. the team? So I dealt with that for a long time, and it wasn't until later in my career that I went and I sought help. Tracy, um, I'll always be in her debt for helping me out and uh, just helping me sort through those problems. So um, for me, this podcast, and I wanted to point people towards your podcast too. So um, maybe you don't like my message. Maybe you don't like the way I put things. Maybe you might listen to this podcast and think I'm just full of it. And that's, that's right. Um, there are other options out there. Um, can listen to Matt's uh, podcast and he can give you tips or advice on how to seek help or just things and how not to carry things with you. Cause that was my biggest problem. Yeah. I, I, I want to, you know, kind of little, little disclaimer, you know, the, the stuff that, that we talk about on my podcast, you know, I think we're, we'll get into conversations about, you know, actual, uh, physical things that have happened to you. You mentioned you were in two IED blasts, you know, so probably dealing with some type of traumatic brain injury. You know, those are, those are legitimate issues. You know, those are things that if you haven't 
if you haven't reached out to, to find professional help for things like that, you absolutely should. Um, the stuff that, that we've talked about so far and what I want to frame the conversations on our podcast about mental health is in your situation. I think what we're talking about is definitely applicable for, for any type of long-term strategy to mental health. But, you know, if you have something physical that's going on, you, you need the professional help because there's, there is legitimately something physical going on that you have to get past. But, you know, the tips and tricks that we're talking about and shaping your own, your own thinking is, you know, a supplement to that. And then if you haven't been through something traumatic, I think the, the biggest, uh, the, the, the biggest kind of discrepancy, I guess, with society and how society looks at mental health right now. And this is really what I, what I want to, what I want to talk about through our podcast is, uh, we talk about mental health completely backwards. Not everybody has been through an IED blast and has something physically wrong, but I feel like there's way too many people out there that are looking for something, you know, clinically diagnosable. I'm struggling through my life right now and I don't know why. And there's got to be something wrong with my head. You know, there's got to be something that I go to, you know, a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they can diagnose me and that will, you know, help me recover from this. And I I think that's kind of backwards. I I feel like the vast majority of people don't have something that is clinically diagnosable. They might be able to get, uh, you know, a less professional doctor to prescribe them something to get them through that. But that to me, that's, that's backwards. You know, that's looking for a, looking for a problem rather than a solution. And you know, the stuff that, that we want to talk about through our podcast is how do you, you know, how do you shape your thinking to prevent uh, from, you know, from spiraling into some something that is probably more controllable than you, than you might think. Everybody struggles with, with mental health. It is not something that is easy. It is something that you, you have to practice day in and day out. And that's where, that's where you'll find success. Yeah, so you know, that's actually a great point because uh, once I retired, once I signed out on terminal leave, I was not ready for just the vast amount of time that I was going to have on my hands and then just the silence, right? Because um, there were no longer any texts, no longer any emails at 9 o'clock at night. It was just all of a sudden just went quiet. And so... I had way too much time on my hands. Fortunately, I, I started running when I was 14. I'm 49, so I still run, and that, that helps me stay in the right frame of mind. Um, but I needed something else to do. So um, pursuing a PhD was part of it, too, um, because I, I've been in school for the past 15 years, right? So continuing in school provided some sort of structure, something that I was used to. And was able to occupy some of my time and, you know, in a positive way and not leave me just feeling lost Um, because my wife, she works these crazy hours at the post office. So she goes to sleep at seven. I don't go to sleep till about 11. So for four hours, I was just wandering my house Uh, because how much can I run? You know, I'm not going to run a marathon every day. So yeah, definitely. I, I definitely understand what you're talking about, about just, you know, you have to view mental health the same way as you would do your regular health if you went to the gym or if you went for a jog or 
if you did Pilates or whatever. I think, I mean, what, what you're talking about that, that speaks to me is the, the importance of a routine and how it's all connected. You know, you mentioned that you go run because that helps ultimately that's helping to keep you mentally healthy. And there's, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of studies out there that show that connection. But I think what you lost when you got out of the military was the, the structured routine that the military has provided for you and how important that routine is to your mental health. It's important to your physical health because for a lot of us in the military, you know, that we, you have to go and exercise with, uh, with the people that you work with in special operations. You know, we were, we were lucky enough, you know, the, the big boy, big girl rules to, you know, as long as you are able to pass physical fitness tests, you know, that, we don't, we don't have to get everybody together to exercise, to make sure that you're doing it. It's on, it's on your own, but it's all connected, you know, and the importance of having a routine. And for me, the morning routine is probably the, the most important thing, but, you know, waking myself up at, at a decent hour where I can, you know, start to get ahead of the day, starting with physical fitness, it, it makes the biggest impact to, to me personally, to, you know, my, uh, to how my day flows if I exercise first thing in the morning. And then by the time I'm, you know, awake for about an hour or so and I've already exercised, my my juices are flowing. I'm I'm able to, you know, think about how I'm going to use my time for that day. And the other thing that you mentioned there, you know, I, I had too much time on my hands. I I feel like, you know, again, I, I mentioned this before, we we only have but so much time in our lives. We don't know how much time we have. We are very, very conscious of how we waste finances, but how many of us are, you know, conscious of how much time we waste and time to me is probably the most valuable thing that we have. I would, I would much rather, you know, figure out how I'm going to spend my time more wisely, uh, rather than, rather than my finance. I want to do both well, but you know, the time is more important, um, and having that routine in the morning where I can plan out exactly how I want to use my time to get after what I've already said are my priorities, uh, that allows my day to flow, allows me to find, you know, purpose day in and day out that is, you know, something that is extremely important for how I practice my own mental health. That that routine is such a central piece of that. Yeah, Um you know, um, for me, what I found, though, is the beauty of being retired is um, now I exercise. It's almost like being back in high school, I'm running for the pure joy of it, right? Yeah. And the benefits are my mental and physical health. Um, but, you know, I'm not rucking with 50 pounds on my back. I'm not working out, you know, so I can jump out of, out of an airplane and land like a sack of yeah. bricks. Um so I really enjoy retirement because it's a lot easier on my body now. Yeah. I, I know uh, before we started, you were saying you you know still weren't sure about what you wanted to do. I just want to let you know it's like it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, just one of the things you know, how, one of the big differences I have with physical uh, physical exercise. You know, I've I've mentioned this in in my my own podcast and made a couple of videos, but the the body weight routine that I that I have, uh, I feel like it's something I could probably do until I'm 
95, 100 years old if I, if I live to be that long because it's all body weight and, you know, I can, I can do it anywhere. I'm not, you know, it, it's, it's not a huge impact on my body, but it still has the, the right effects. I think finding things that like that at this point where we're at in our lives, you know, something that you can sustain if it's running for you. I, I also like to run just to get outside and everything, but, you know, as you, as you're in this point of, of your life and you're not, you know, training to be stronger to do some specific thing anymore. Really, the, the focus is how do I, how do I maintain, you know, physical health, which is connected to mental health. How do I do that over time and finding something that fits in your routine very well? That's, uh, you know, super important. I think. <clears throat> yeah. Definitely. Um, so you said you had a few topics, other topics that you want to uh, discuss while we we're on here. Um, uh, can you mention Yeah, for sure. It? So, you know, we talked about our time in, in Charlie 97th already. Um, I think as I was, as I was leaving command, you know, that's what, you know, what led me to, you know, the importance of philosophy in my life. I think, I was, I was doing a lot of the things that I, that I do today. I haven't made, you know, humongous changes in things like routine, but, uh, as I was leaving command, I, I noticed that, you know, I, I was, I had a, lo a lot more anxiety all of a sudden. I, I noticed, you know, some, how my mental health was, you know, manifesting in a way that, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't helpful for me, I guess. And I, you know, started looking for, you know, what are some ways that I, I can get through this? And that's when I, you know, I, I came across uh, Stoicism, you know, the, the ancient philosophy practiced by, you know, Marcus Aurelius, one of, one of the emperors of Rome in the, uh, in the second century. Um, and really it goes back even further than that. Um, Stoicism for me has been as life-changing, as life-changing as anything that I've ever come across. Uh, I think it, it feel, it fills this, um, this kind of gap in my, in my own life, I'm, I'm not religious. So I, I don't have, you know, my, my faith to fall back on the, the philosophy that I, that I practice, you know, with, with stoicism for me, it just, it just cleared so much of my, of my life. It just cleared things up and al allowed me to, to see, uh, just to see more clearly, I guess. Um, and I, I would just suggest for anybody who's out there, you know, if stoicism works for you, you know, research and take a look at it. You know, I have some, some recommendations on reading, uh, for anybody that's, for anybody that's interested. Um, but fine, you, I, I think the, the, the bigger point is you need to find something like that. You need to have a solid foundation of faith philosophy or something else that's filling that gap. That's helping you find what your purpose in life is without that. You're, you're just, you know, falling through life randomly without any, without any direction. And, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for me, uh, it's, it's my family, just my faith, in my family, you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, I was born, I was raised a, a Roman Catholic, right. Um, but I'm also a cynic. Mm -hmm. um, so how do those two work together? Not very yeah. well. Uh, but I still have a higher belief, uh, you know, in God, and uh, but I have more. Um, I guess my belief in my family has always been there and always will, and 
that helps me get through the hard times in my life. Yeah, I think, you know, very, very closely connected. You know, I, I mentioned practicing stoicism. Uh, one, of the, one of the early things that I think it leads you to do is prioritize what's, what's important in your own life. And, you know, your family and friends, for, for me, that's what, that's what jumps to the, to the top of the list as far as my priorities. And then, you know, I only have but so much time. So how do I prioritize, you know, how I spend my time with them to, to get the most out of each and every time that I'm with them? How do I, you know, design, you know, outings with my, with my daughters? How do I design outings with them that allows for the type of conversations that I want to have that allows to, you know, for the, the environment to share the things that I want to share with them, um, you know, by, by practicing stoicism, it's, you know, kind of led me, uh, led me to look at that more deliberately, I guess, to where I'm not just randomly, you know, Hey, let's go do this today. Let's go do that today. You know, it's, there's, there's a lesson that I, that I want to, I want to pass down to, to my daughters. I, I try to, create the the event that allows me to do that the the best way to capture the memory the best way um so they have something to you know to to fall back on uh later in their lives but you know friends and family for me the most important thing because when you're when you're inevitably struggling through life they are they are the thing that uh they are your bedrock basically that will uh that will keep you grounded Yeah, definitely. Um, so, were there was there anything else that you uh, wanted to discuss? Yeah, I, so, um, just look at looking at my looking at my list here. Um, For those of you that are listening, um, Matt's very thorough. He showed up with an yeah. outline and an agenda, and I really appreciate that because. I just yeah. shoot from the hip. A lot, a lot of the stuff that I that I really wanted to talk that I really wanted to talk about, you know, I think I think we've we've hit on. Um, I just want. I had a couple a couple things for you, you know, early early in the when we started recording, you mentioned you know the editing aspect and you know the kind of the tips and tricks for that. Definitely uh, willing willing to to help you navigate some of that. Um, we have you know social media accounts as I mentioned on you know, YouTube, we have the podcast, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but that, that's probably it. Um, you know, my, my strategy for all that, you know, I think the, the core of what I want to talk about to people is probably not the, the sexiest thing to talk about. You know, I want to talk about mental health, um, but it's really designing a, designing a, an engagement strategy for, uh, for social media that, that, gets to the audience that I want, but, uh, also gets to a wider audience where there's, you know, the potential for more people to see it. So, you know, we've, we've kind of focused around, uh, food, fun, family, friends, uh, faith and philosophy are the, the things that, that we like to, that we like to talk about. And food I think is important for, for anybody. Uh, but if you look at how people consume social media, you know, short videos about people cooking seem to do very, very, very well. Uh, it, to, to me, I would much rather if people were really, really interested in, you know, good tips on how to practice mental health, but that's not the way that it works. So, you know, we experiment and, you know, make food videos that 
every time we make every time we make another food video, you know, the subscribers jump up, you know, the the view time jumps up, and then we make a a, a post about mental health, and it performs relatively uh, much uh, much weaker, if you will. So we're trying to draw the audience in, you know, through uh, through you know the the food videos. But then, like once once you're drawn in, we I guess I hope that the the mental health aspect and you know how do you uh, ideas for how you can spend time together with your friends and family and everything that that that's the stuff that people kind of stay for, I guess. Yeah. So um, I was actually before I started this podcast, I was researching, you know, podcasts, right? How to start yeah. one, which programs to use. And I found out that there are well over 2 million podcasts out there. And so like this podcast isn't going to appeal to everybody on the planet. And that's fine. Um, for me, if it helps five people, 10 people, a hundred people, whatever number um, for me, that's, that's fine. Um, right now I seem to have a, very strong following on the I-95. And so I agree. Up and down the corridor. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, just this past week, I finally got uh, a couple of downloads in Hawaii. And for me, that was a big deal because that was the last day yeah. that I needed. Yeah. So, you know, I've had downloads. I, I'm assuming there's uh, Marines that work in the embassies that are downloading throughout the world. Um, but that last state, Hawaii, was the one, one that I needed. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so I'm not sure who this is helping, but I think it's helping, is it helping you. And I, I say, I say that because, you know, as I, you know, recorded the, we, we only have the first two episodes from, from, from our podcast. As I finished recording that second episode, I was like, man, I had to go through the preparation, the conversations that I had to, to get ready to have that podcast, you know, to have that conversation I got a lot out of that. And, you know, I've been evaluating, you know, why, you know, why am I doing this? And I mentioned, you know, I'd, I'd like, I'd like for more people to to be interested in it, but I think most importantly, it's helping me and I'm going to continue it for those reasons. And, you know, because I have to go through all that preparation, it's, it's helping me to practice the things that, that keep me mentally healthy. If, the only people that ever listened to it and got something out of it were, you know, my close friends and family. I mean, what more benefit do I need in life that, that my message that I, that I, that I put out was helpful to the people that I love. I mean, that would be, that would be all the validation that I would ever need. Now, if you expand that and, you know, others find value in, you know, listening and, and watching, uh, watching our conversations, that would be great. And then if it, if at some point way off in the future, you know, it, it could make money that, you know, like that's just icing on the cake, but that is absolutely not the goal. I'm going to continue doing, doing this because first and foremost, it's helping me and the feedback that I'm getting from my, my close friends and family is, Hey, I got a lot out of that, you know, keep doing that. So that's, that's more than enough for me. If it reaches a wide audience, it's agnostic to it almost. Yeah, so for me, it, it has, um, like everything else in life, there's pros and cons, right? Um, having guests on is really good because it allows them to get their message out, get their story out. Now, the problem with that is they're doing it for free, so I have to work yeah. around their schedule. 
right? So that requires me sometimes to, at lunchtime while I'm at work, to go set up and in my car, and it, it's inconvenient for me. And it was stressing me out. And then to reach out to people and not know if they're actually going to do it. If yes, no, maybe will their Wi-Fi be sufficient yeah. um, so I can actually get recorded? Um, it was stressing me out. So that's why after I started the PhD program, you're the first guest that I've had on. Um, because I knew you were going to make it difficult yeah. for me. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so for me, uh, when I first started, I was discussing that when I was a kid, I had a lisp and I stuttered. And I've always struggled with that. I've always been self-conscious about that. I never wanted to speak up. And this podcast has provided me an avenue just to practice speaking. And I know people, would, whoever's listening is going to say, well, why would you be nervous? It's like, yeah, I know it's a podcast and it isn't face to face with people, but you still get a little nervous about it because your voice is going to be heard by what, 10, 100, 1,000 people? I don't know. And so it is a little nerve wracking. And just like everything else, through the practice, I, I'm assuming I've gotten a little bit better. I'm not so robotic. I don't sound like data from Star yeah. Trek, you know? And so, um, so, yeah, for me, there has been uh, benefits just for my mental health. Uh, when I, Noticed that it was uh, taking a toll. That's when I eased back on. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the questions I, I had for you. So you you mentioned it's it's really nice on the other side. Uh, I know the transition post military is is not not always the easiest. You know what are what are the most important things? Because as I said, I I'm not ready to cross that bridge yet. I I still feel like like what I'm doing is still value added to the organizations that I, that I'm a part of. Uh, so haven't written my exit strategy yet, but that comes for all of us at some point. And, you know, what are the, the most important things, you know, advice that you would have for, for me as I, as I prepare for that. Um, so just talk to your family and see, you know, what are they on board for? Cause I had this idea. I wanted to go work for the state department you know, to travel around the world. And my family really wasn't excited about that. I know they would have accepted it. Um, fortunately, I came to the realization, I got invited up to DC for the interviews and I realized I don't want to move every two years. It's just not something I, I look forward to. And then after talking to some people that were in the State Department, they, they informed me, it's like, look, at your age, do it if you want to. Um, but you're going to be frustrated with how the restraints that you're going to be under. It's like, so go into contracting or go into private practice. So you have a little bit more freedom um, because you're not going to have the funding the DOD has. Yeah. You're going to be a little frustrated yeah. by that. Um, but so like working with the VA, um, just knowing that there isn't one source. I know the VA has a website, but you have to be, uh, Dedicated to get through that website and to find all the information. Um, get some information from other veterans who have already um, retired, but just know that although they're a good source, they're not the VA. So whatever they provide you with, just don't Barrett's check. Lawyers. It. Um, <laughs> yeah, it might be right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, they might, but you know, it doesn't. Like I, I mentioned, it's like. If this was 2003, okay, I could understand why I would take their word. 
but we have these crazy things yeah. called smartphones and we have the internet yeah. at our fingertips. And if I just type into Google, my question, it, yeah. the answer comes right up. I, um, I wonder. I, so just yeah, be patient. I, I wonder how, how much, uh, how much easier it's going to be with chat GPT. If you haven't played with chat GPT yet, <clears throat> you absolutely should. Uh, chat GPT four, the one that they just released natural language processing, artificial intelligence. Uh, we are on the cusp of this revolution that, you know, you mentioned you Googled it in two or three years from now, there's going to be the, you know, chat GPT verb because chat GPT four passes the bar better than 90% of humans that take the bar. Uh, it, it outperforms in a lot of these areas and it does it instantly basically. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder with, with the VA navigating that process, it's been absolutely helpful for everything that I've used it for in my own life so far. Uh, how how much easier uh, does navigating the veterans affairs uh, information information flow, does it get with things like chat GPT go, going forward? I, I don't know. Just interesting. I would hope... The VA uses it to, to help understand out, like some of their, um, <laughs> Yes, uh, because the people that, that work for the VA are severely yeah. overworked. Right? And every time I've called, it seems like their natural response is, yeah. well, you have to call back or, or no, right? Just natural, just so they go into defense mode, right? No, no. It's like you haven't even let me ask my question. <laughs> I'm not ready to get there yet. <laughs> It's like, just yeah. let me ask my question. It's like, and then once they understand that I just want some information, they calm down and realize like, hey, I, I get it. This stuff takes time. I'm just following up on my case because if I don't, then who's going to yeah. do it for me? Nobody. Yeah. They're a little defensive, but once you explain to them that you're not yeah, mad yeah. at them. I'm not mad like it, like everybody else is at you. <laughs> yeah. 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 How's your, uh, how's your PhD program going so far? Um, it's good. You know, uh, so I did an episode yesterday where, um, it, my daughter came home yeah. from spring break and, um, just talking to her and hearing her perspectives. I was really combative with one of my professors, right? <laughs> Cause professors are great, but I view them as, look, you, you decided to sit on the sidelines and just stay in academia, <laughs> right? You don't have the real world All experience right, that I do. <laughs> so it's like I value your opinion, but what's the difference? You have a yeah. PhD. Well, I've wandered the you know the jungles of South yeah. America. Have you? Yeah. No. I've I met the president of Guyana. I met the president of Brazil. Yeah. Have you? No. So what are we talking about here? Yeah. Right. And uh, but just spending time with my daughter, and she made me realize like, who cares? Right. Who cares? Like I'm going to have to see this guy for another class and then I'll never have yeah. to see him again. Right. So instead of being combative, just get through the class because ultimately these classes are just to prepare me for the dissertation. That's yeah. all that matters. Who cares about these classes? I asked, it's like, Hey, can I just go straight to the dissertation? No, you have to take the classes. Of course. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. they want to make their money. And I, yeah. I understand that. I get that. And so, and also, again, it's, it's going to help me not stress out so much. And fighting uh, with him was not accomplishing anything except yeah. frustrating. What I, what I think I heard you say, and this, you know, trying to go back to the, the philosophy and, you know, some things that have 
that have helped. You know, I mentioned special operations. One of the things that we select for is that problem solving mentality that no matter, you know, no matter what the challenge is, you know, you're looking immediately or very, very quickly for, you know, well, what's the opportunity here? And, you know, the, the, the more, the more that I focus on that aspect of the practice, you know, life happens, you know, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen, but it, life, life is going to happen. There's going to be challenges at every step of the way. And the sooner you can recognize that, Hey, this isn't happening to me. You know, there's no, there's like, this is not personal to me. And the sooner you can, you know, shift your thinking to, well, what's the opportunity here? The, the better off you and everybody around you will be, I guess for you, I would just offer to you, you know, where's the opportunity working with your professors that, that, uh, that you're getting more out of it than, than a combative relationship, I guess, but it sounds like you're kind of getting there already. Yeah. And, and so I understand the whole process of this degree, right? They, they're trying to help people network and to talk to people um, who are in academia or who are in these think tanks, right? And what I had to explain to him is like, you know, Professor, the job that I'm in already allows me to work with some of the best minds in the academic world and former ambassadors. It's like, there's 12 of us in this cohort. I know I'm the only one been in on this the front lines of U.S. foreign policy. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm in like weekly contact with two foreign yeah. ambassadors. It's like, nobody else is. So I understand the whole process of the um, yeah. of the program, um, but I explained to him I'm already there. Yeah, um, the school teachers that are in the program, I probably don't need to network with them because I don't know how many school teachers I'm going to work yeah. with in my career. But instead of having that attitude, I decided that I'm going to change my mind and why not help them out. Why not introduce them to people that might help them in their careers instead of being combative with him? Because uh, that's not really yeah. getting me anywhere. Yeah, I've, I've thought about going back to school to pursue a PhD at some point. Not sure if I'm going to do it. I, I watch, you know, our, another similarity that we have, you know, your daughter uh, at, uh, at Alabama, uh, Angelina, my oldest, she's, uh, she's in her first year at uh, NC State you know, up in Raleigh and watching the, you know, the academic rigor that she's going through. It's been, it's been a, it's been a couple years since I, since I've had to go through that. And I, I don't know if I want to do that again. I don't know if it's, I don't know if, I don't know if it's necessary. So you're, you're brave putting, putting yourself back into, back into that situation. Cause I feel like I would, I would have a lot of those same challenges that you're having. It's like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I realized you know, one class every nine weeks is uh, doable, and it's probably the best for just yeah. for my sanity. And so the first term I took two classes, and now I'm just going to do one 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 a term because if it make, takes me four years or five years, yeah. what difference does that make? Not yeah. much, you know. Something to do. It's a, it's a good good way to use your yeah, time. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. yeah. Well. I, I've looked at my list. I think I, I hit everything that uh, that I wanted to talk about. Do you have any any other questions or anything? 
Um, no, but you know, about this time, you know, we're at about 47 minutes. Um, so, you know, at this time, we I always want to allow people the opportunity uh, to do th- two things. Uh, one, give shout outs to whoever you want to give a shout out to and to promote any business, whether it's your podcast or if there's a business of a relative or a friend that you want to. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll give shout out to my oldest daughter, Angelina. As I, as I said, she's first year student at NC State. She's a uh, chemical engineering and paper engineering uh, major. So um, her, her, she, she needs a shout out because her academic rigor is pretty serious right now. Um, but she's, she's doing, she's doing really well, you know, uh, just keep, keep it up. You're, you're, you're going to do really well. Uh, and then please check out, uh, check out our podcast, the Sea star media podcast, I know Tony's linked it into into the show notes uh, or gave a shout out to it before, um, but you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And then we're also on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You know where we have uh, more content than just than just the podcast conversations. But uh, come check us out. Appreciate that. So for me, I want to give uh, two shout outs today. Uh, one, I want to give the first shout out to Pierce and Onyx. Um, the time that we worked together. And too, yeah, we, I should. So, th- so this yeah, is a yeah. CMOC one. And it, the reason why is because when we were out at that validation exercise, um, you know, it's hard to build that rapport right away, that mm-hmm. friendship, right? And uh, Pierce started by sharing his crazy story about how um, he used to kill seagulls when he was a kid with, Alcazars. Then Onyx chimed in with uh, how he used to train hawks, right, in Puerto Rico. And for me, that was, you know what? These guys, yeah, they're, they're, they're right. my type of guys. <laughs> like, these are some yeah. crazy stories that I'm hearing right now. But the fact that they were willing to share them with yeah. me was awesome. And so I just want to say, I hope, I know you guys are transitioning out. Onyx, you're retired. I hope you're doing well. Yeah. And I miss you guys. And uh, for this, my second shout out is for everybody who's listening to this podcast. I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, it means a great deal to me. As I said, right now, this month, it seems I have a strong following on the I-95 corridor. Um, so thank you very much. Um, so until next time, just remember, um, you know, take care of your mental health, your physical health. You are special. You have something that uh, separates you from everybody else. Just identify what that is and maximize that to its fullest potential, and you will be successful in life. All right, so until next time, zot, 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 and roll tide.